Matthew chapter 25 A parable about ten virgins When my coming draws near, heaven's kingdom realm can be compared to ten maidens who took their oil lamps and went outside to meet the bridegroom and his bride. Five of them were foolish and ill-prepared, for they took no extra oil for their lamps. Five of them were wise, for they took flasks of olive oil with their lamps. When the bridegroom didn't come when they expected, they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. Then, suddenly, in the middle of the night, they were awakened by the shout, Get up! The bridegroom is here! Come out and have an encounter with him! So all the girls got up and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish ones were running out of oil, so they said to the five wise ones, Share your oil with us, because our lamps are going out. We can't, they replied. We don't have enough for us all. You'll have to go and buy some for yourselves. While the five girls were out buying oil, the bridegroom appeared. Those who were ready and waiting were escorted inside with him and the wedding party to enjoy the feast. And then the door was locked. Later, the five foolish girls came running up to the door and pleaded, Lord, Lord, let us come in. But he called back, Go away. Do I know you? I can assure you, I don't even know you. That is the reason you should always stay awake and be alert because you don't know the day or the hour when the bridegroom will appear. A parable about financial stewardship. Again, heaven's kingdom is like a wealthy man who went on a long journey and summoned all his trusted servants and assigned his financial management over to them. Before he left on his journey, he entrusted a bag of 5,000 gold coins to one of his servants, to another, a bag of 2,000 gold coins, and to the third, a bag of 1,000 gold coins, each according to his ability to manage. The one entrusted with 5,000 gold coins immediately went out and traded with the money, and he doubled his investment. In the same way, the one who was entrusted with 2,000 gold coins traded with the sum and likewise doubled his investment. But the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins dug a hole into the ground and buried his master's money. After much time had passed, the master returned to settle accounts with his servants. The one who was entrusted with 5,000 gold coins came and bought 10,000 saying, See, I have doubled your money. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you have been a faithful steward to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master who will say to you, Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then, the one who had been entrusted with 2,000 gold coins came in and said, See, my master, I have doubled what you have entrusted to me. Commending his servant, the master replied, You have done well, and proven yourself to be my loyal and trustworthy servant. Because you were faithful to manage a small sum, now I will put you in charge of much, much more. You will experience the delight of your master will say to you, Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then the one who had been entrusted with 1,000 gold coins came to his master and said, Look, sir, I know that you are a hard man to please, and you're a shrewd and rootless businessman who grows rich on the backs of others. I was afraid of you, so I went and hid your money and buried it in the ground. But here it is. Take it. It's yours. But his master said to him, you're an untrustworthy and lazy servant. 
If you knew I was a shrewd and ruthless businessman who always makes a profit, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? Then I would have received it all back with interest when I returned. But because you were unfaithful, I will take the 1,000 gold coins and give them to the one who has 10,000. For the one who has will be given more, until he overflows with abundance. And the one who with hardly anything, even what little he has will be taken from him. Then the master said to his other servants, Now, throw that good-for-nothing servant far away from me into the outer darkness, or there will be great misery and anguish. The Judgment of the Multitudes When the Son of Man appears in his majestic glory, with all his angels by his side, he will take his seat on his throne of splendor, and all the nations will be gathered together before him. And like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats, he will separate all the people. The sheep he will put on his right side, and the goats on his left. Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, You have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from before the foundation of the world. But when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. And when I was poorly clothed, you covered me. When I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? When did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Don't you know? When you cared for one of the least of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. Then, for those on his left, the king will say, Leave me, for you are under the curse of eternal fire that has been destined for the devil and all his demons. But when you saw me hungry, you gave me no food. And when you saw me thirsty, you gave me no drink. I had no place to stay, and you refused to take me in as your guest. When you saw me poorly clothed, you closed your hearts and did not clothe me. When you saw that I was sick, you didn't lift a finger to help me. And when I was imprisoned, you never came to visit me. And then those on his left will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and not give you food and something to drink? When did we see you homeless or poorly clothed? When did we see you sick and not help you or in prison and not visit you? Then he will answer them. Don't you know? When you refuse to help one of the least important among these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you refuse to help and honor me. And they will depart from his presence into eternal punishment. But the godly and beloved sheep will enter into eternal bliss. Matthew chapter 26 Jesus prophesies his crucifixion. After Jesus had completed his teachings, he said to his disciples, You know that the feast of the fastover begins in two more days. That's when the Son of Man will be betrayed and handed over to be crucified. Meanwhile, the prominent priests and religious leaders of the nation were gathered in the palace of Caiaphas, the great high priest. 
That's when they made their decision to secretly have Jesus captured and killed. But they all agreed. We can't do this during the Passover celebrations, or we could have a riot on our hands. A woman anoints Jesus. Then, Jesus went to Bethany, to the home of Simon, a man Jesus had healed from leprosy. A woman came into the house, holding an alabaster flask filled with expensive, fragrant oil. She came right to Jesus, and in a lavish gesture of devotion, she poured out the costly oil, and it cascaded over his head as he was at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were offended. What a total waste, they grumbled. We could have sold it for a great deal of money and given it to the poor. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Why are you critical of this woman? She has done a beautiful act of kindness. You will always have someone poor whom you can help, but you will not always have me. When she poured the fragrant oil over me, she was preparing my body for burial. I promise you that when this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will also be mentioned in memory of her. Judas agrees to betray Jesus. One of the 12 apostles, Judas the locksmith, went to the leading priest and said, how much are you willing to pay me to betray Jesus into your hands? They agreed to pay him 30 silver coins. Immediately, Judas began to scheme and look for an opportunity to betray him. Jesus celebrates Passover with his disciples. On the first day of Passover, the day when all bread made with yeast was removed from every Jewish home, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where shall we prepare the Passover meal for you? He answered them, My heart longs with great desire to eat this Passover meal with you. Go into Jerusalem, and you will encounter a man. Tell him that the teacher says, My appointed time is near. I am coming to your home to eat the Passover meal with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus had instructed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When evening came, he took his place at the table and dined with the twelve. While they were eating, Jesus spoke up and said, One of you is about to betray me. Feeling deeply hurt by these words, one after the other asked him, You don't mean me, do you? He answered, It is one who has shared meals with me as an intimate friend. All that was prophesied of me will take place, but how terrible it will be for the one who betrays the Son of Man. It would be far better for him if he had never been born. Then finally, Judas, the traitor, spoke up and asked him, Teacher, perhaps is it I? Jesus answered, You said it. The Lord's Supper. As they ate, Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said to them, This is my body. Eat it. Then, taking the cup of wine, he gave thanks to the Father. He entered into covenant with them, saying, This is my blood. Each of you must drink it in fulfillment of the covenant, for this is the blood that seals the new covenant. It will be poured out for many for the complete forgiveness of sins. The next time we drink this, I will be with you, and we will drink it together with a new understanding in the kingdom realm of my Father. Then they sang a song and left for the Mount of Olives. Jesus prophesies Peter's denial. 
Along the way, Jesus said to them, Before the night is over, you will all desert me. This will fulfill the prophecy of the scripture that says, I will strike down the shepherd, and all of the sheep will scatter far and wide. But after I am risen, I will go ahead of you to Galilee, and will meet you there. Then Peter spoke up and said, Even if all the rest lose courage and fall away, I will still be beside you, Jesus. Are you sure, Peter? Jesus said. In fact, before the rooster crows a few hours from now, you will have denied me three times. Peter replied, I will absolutely never deny you, even if I have to die with you. And all the others said the same thing. Jesus prays in Gethsemane. Then, Jesus led his disciples to an orchard called the oil press. He told them, sit here while I go and pray nearby. He took Peter, Jacob, and John with him. However, an intense feeling of great sorrow plunged his soul into agony, and he said to them, my heart is overwhelmed and crushed with grief. It feels as though I'm dying. Stay here and keep watch with me. Then he walked a short distance away and overcome with grief, he threw himself face down on the ground and prayed, my father, if there is any way you can deliver me from this suffering, please take it from me. Yet what I want is not important for I only desire to fulfill your plan for me. Then an angel from heaven appeared to strengthen him. Later, he came back to his three disciples and found them all sound asleep. He awakened Peter and said to him, Could you not stay awake with me for even one hour? Keep alert and pray that you'll be spared from this time of testing. Your spirit is eager enough, but your humanity is weak. Then he left them for a second time to pray in solitude. He said to God, My father, if there's not a way that you can deliver me from this suffering, then your will must be done. He came back to the disciples and found them sound asleep, but they couldn't keep their eyes open. So he left them and went away to pray the same prayer for the third time. When he returned again to his disciples, he awoke them saying, Are you still sleeping? Don't you know the hour has come for the Son of Man to be handed over to the authority of sinful men? Get up and let's go, for the betrayer has arrived. The Betrayal and Arrest of Jesus At that moment, Judas, his once trusted disciple, appeared, along with a large crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent to arrest Jesus by order of the ruling priests and Jewish religious leaders. Now, Judas, the traitor, had arranged to give them a signal that would identify Jesus, for he had told them, Jesus is the one whom I will kiss, so seize him. Judas quickly stepped up to Jesus and said, Shalom, Rabbi, and he kissed him on both cheeks. My beloved friend, Jesus said, is this why you've come? Then the armed men seized Jesus to arrest him. But one of the disciples pulled out a dagger and swung it at the servant of the high priest, slashing off his ear. Jesus said to him, put your dagger away. 
For all those who embrace violence will die by violence. Don't you realize that I could ask my Heavenly Father for angels to come at any time to deliver me? And instantly he would answer me by sending more than 12 legions of angels to come and protect us? But that would thwart the prophetic plan of God. For it has been written that it would happen this way. Then Jesus turned to the mob and said, Why would you arrest me with swords and clubs as though I were an outlaw? Day after day, I sat in the temple courts with you, teaching the people, yet you didn't arrest me. But all of this fulfills the prophecies of the scriptures. At that point, all of his disciples ran away and abandoned him. Jesus is condemned by the religious leaders. Those who arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the chief priest, and to a meeting where the religious scholars in the Supreme Jewish Council were already assembled. Now, Peter had followed the mob from a distance all the way to the chief priest's courtyard. And after entering, he sat with the servants of the chief priests who gathered there, waiting to see how things would unfold. The chief priests and the entire Supreme Jewish Council of Leaders were doing their best to bring false charges against Jesus because they were looking for a reason to put him to death. Many false witnesses came forward, but the evidence could not be corroborated. Finally, two men came forward and declared, This man said, I can destroy God's temple and build it again in three days. Then, the chief priest stood up and said to Jesus, have you nothing to say about all these allegations? Is what they're saying about you true? But Jesus remained silent before them. So the chief priest said to him, I charge you under oath in the name of the living God. Tell us once and for all if you are the anointed Messiah, the son of God. Jesus answered him, You just said it yourself. And more than that, you are about to see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God, the Almighty. And one day, you will also see the Son of Man coming in the heavenly clouds. This infuriated the chief priest, and as an act of outrage, he tore his robe and shouted, What blasphemy! No more witnesses are needed, for you heard this grievous blasphemy. Turning to the council, he said, Now what is your verdict? He's guilty and deserves the death of penalty, they answered. Then they spat on his face and slapped him. Others struck him over and over with their fists. Then they taunted him by saying, Oh, anointed one, prophesy to us. Tell us which one of us is about to hit you next. Peter's Denials Meanwhile, Peter was still sitting outside in the courtyard when a servant girl came up to him and said, I recognize you. You, you were with Jesus, the Galilean. In front of everyone, Peter denied it and said, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. Later, as he stood near the gateway of the courtyard, another servant girl noticed him and said, I, I know this man is a follower of Jesus, the Nazarene. Once again, Peter denied it. And with an oath, he said, I tell you, I don't know the man. A short time later, those standing nearby approached Peter and said, We know you're one of his disciples. We can tell by your speech. Your Galilean accent gives you away. Peter denied it. 
and using profanity, he said, I don't know the man. At that very moment, the sound of a crowing rooster pierced the night. Then Peter remembered the prophecy of Jesus. Before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. With a shattered heart, Peter left the courtyard, sobbing with bitter tears. Matthew, chapter 27. Jesus condemned by the religious leaders. Before dawn that morning, all the chief priests and religious leaders resolved to take action against Jesus and decided that he should be executed. So they bound him and led him away to Pilate, the Roman governor. Judas commits suicide. Now, when Judas, the betrayer, saw that Jesus had been sentenced to death, remorse filled his heart. He returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and religious leaders, saying, I have sinned by betraying an innocent man. They replied, Why are you bothering us? That's your problem. And then, Judas flung the silver coins inside the temple and went out and hanged himself. The chief priests, picking up the pieces of silver, said, we can't keep this, for it's unlawful to put blood money into the temple treasury. So, after some deliberation, they decided to purchase the potter's field of clay to use as a cemetery for burying strangers. That's why that land has been called the Field of Blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Zechariah. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, the price of a precious man and they bought the potter's field as the Lord directed. Jesus bought before Pilate. As Jesus stood in front of the Roman governor, Pilate asked him, so you are the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, you have just spoken it. Then he was accused by the chief priests and religious leaders, but he remained silent. Pilate said, don't you hear these allegations? But Jesus offered no defense to any of the charges, much to the great astonishment of Pilate. Now, every year at Passover, it was the custom of the governor to pardon a prisoner and release him to the people, anyone they wanted. And at that time, Pilate was holding in custody a notorious criminal named Jesus Barabbas. So as the crowds of people assembled outside of Pilate's residence, he went out and offered them a choice. He asked them, who would you want me to release to you today? Jesus, who is called Barabbas, or Jesus, who is called the Anointed One? Now, Pilate was fully aware that the religious leaders had handed Jesus over to him because of their bitter jealousy. Just then, as Pilate was presiding over the tribunal, his wife sent him an urgent message. Don't, don't harm that holy man. For I have suffered a horrible nightmare last night about him. Meanwhile, the chief priests and their religious leaders were inciting the crowd to ask for Barabbas to be freed and to have Jesus killed. So Pilate asked them again, Which of these two men would you like me to release for you? They shouted, Barabbas! Pilate asked them, Then what would you have me to do with Jesus, who is called the Anointed One? They all shouted back, Crucify him! Why? Pilate asked. 
What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Jesus condemned to death. When Pilate realized that a riot was about to break out and that it was useless to try to reason with the crowd, he sent for a basin of water. After washing his hands in front of the people, he said, I am innocent of the blood of this righteous man. The responsibility for his death is now yours. And the crowd replied, Let his blood be on us and on our children. So he released Barabbas to the people. He ordered that Jesus be beaten with a whip of leather straps embedded with metal and afterward be crucified. Then the guards took him into their military compound where a detachment of nearly 600 soldiers surrounded him. They stripped off his clothing and placed a scarlet robe on him to make fun of him. Then they braided a crown of thorns and forcefully shoved it onto his head. After placing a reed staff in his right hand, they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! Then they spat on his face and took the reed staff from his hand and hit him repeatedly on his head, driving the crown of thorns deeper. When they finished ridiculing him, they took off the scarlet robe and put his own clothes back on him and led him away to be crucified. And as they came out of the city, they stopped an African man named Simon from Libya and compelled him to carry the cross for Jesus. The Crucifixion They brought Jesus to Golgotha, which means Skull Hill. And there, the soldiers offered him a mild painkiller, a drink of wine mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. Then they crucified Jesus nailing his hands and feet to the cross. The soldiers divided his clothing among themselves by rolling dice to see who would win them. And the soldiers stood there to watch what would happen and to keep guard over him. Above his head, they placed a sign that read, This is Jesus of Nazareth, King of Israel. Two criminals were also crucified with Jesus, one on each side of him. And those who passed by shook their heads and ridiculed him, saying, We heard you boast that you could destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Why don't you save yourself now, if you're really God's son? Come down from the cross. Even the ruling priests, with the Jewish scholars and religious leaders, joined in the mockery and kept on saying, He saved others, but he can't even save himself. Israel's king? Is he? He should pull out the nails and come down from the cross right now. Then we'll believe him. He puts his trust in God, so let's see if it's true and see if God really wants to rescue him. For he said, I am the son of God. Even the two criminals who were crucified with Jesus began to taunt him, hurling their insults on him. The death of the Savior. For three hours, beginning at noon, a sudden and unexpected darkness came over the earth. And at three o'clock, Jesus shouted with a mighty voice in Aramaic, Eli, Eli, lemma sabathani. That is, my God, my God, why have you deserted me? Some who were standing near the cross misunderstood and said, He's calling for Elijah. One bystander ran and got a sponge, soaked it with sour wine, then put it on a stick and held it up for Jesus to drink. But the rest said, Leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to rescue him. 
Jesus passionately cried out, took his last breath, and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the veil in the Holy of Holies was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook violently. Rocks were violently split apart and graves were opened. Then many of the holy ones who had died were brought back to life and came out of their graves. And after Jesus' resurrection, they were seen by many people walking in Jerusalem. Now, when the Roman military officer and his soldiers witnessed what was happening and felt the powerful earthquake, they were extremely terrified. They said, there is no doubt this man was the son of God. Watching from a distance were many of the women who had followed him from Galilee and given him support. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of Jacob and Joseph, and the mother of Jacob and John. The Burial of Jesus At the end of the day, a wealthy man named Joseph, a follower of Jesus from the village of Ramah, approached Pilate and asked if he could take custody of the body of Jesus. So Pilate consented and ordered that the body be given to him. Then Joseph wrapped the body in a shroud of fine linen and placed it in his own unused tomb, which had only recently been cut into the rock. They rolled a large stone to seal the entrance of the tomb and left. Sitting across from the tomb were Mary Magdalene and the other Marys, watching all that took place. The next day, the day after preparation day for Passover, the chief priests and the Pharisees went together to Pilate. They said to him, Our master, we remember that this imposter claimed that he would rise from the dead after three days. So please, order the tomb to be sealed until after the third day. Seal it so that his disciples can't come and steal the corpse and tell people he rose from the dead. Then, the last deception will be worse than the first. I will send soldiers to guard the tomb, Pilate replied. Go with them and make the tomb as secure as possible. So they left and sealed the stone, and Pilate's soldiers secured the tomb.